Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, you know, we've been talking about the Canadian Air Crew, which is being held in the Dominican Republic for months now. We've covered this story. And this Canadian air crew is facing death threats. They faced death threats from prison gangs. Now, the video, we understand, has been discovered, which clearly establishes that the air crew did nothing wrong. They've been accused of smuggling drugs when it was the crew which reported suspicious packages aboard their Pivot Airlines chartered jet. It was the crew which alerted the RCMP in Canada to the presence of the packages of the illicit drugs, and it's the Pivot Airlines crew which has been imprisoned, again threatened with murder by prison gangs, and the Canadian government has done essentially nothing to assist this Canadian crew. I've spoken with Pivot Airlines CEO Eric Edmondson repeatedly about the detention of his flight crew and the threats they face, as well as the Canadian government's apparent indifference to the situation. Mr. Edmondson is back with us, as is Raymond Hall, former Air Canada 767 captain and lawyer, former president of the Air Canada Airline Pilots Association. Eric, uh, thank you for coming back on. I wish the uh, the news were better. I wish by now, I mean, it, it should, it, it just makes sense that by now, given what we know, your crew would be back in Canada. Oh, you're right, Roy, and, and thanks for the continued interest. It, it really is quite astonishing that these people are still being uh, detained and, and not able to return to Canada after, as you said, reporting you know what they found to be a suspicious package to two police forces, one in Canada, the RCMP, who have done nothing to help, and the uh, the, the Dominican police, who all, all they did to help was uh, throw our people in jail and uh, and and fail to investigate further. And your crew did not try to take off. They didn't take the plane to the end of the runway and say, let's get out of here. They reported what they suspected immediately, correct? Yeah, absolutely. They were doing the normal course of pre-flight preparations. A mechanic which travels with the aircraft on all international charters uh, discovered uh, suspected contraband. He informed the captain within minutes. They had informed our Toronto Operations Centre, and uh, we, you know, within two or three minutes of that all happening, the RCMP was already on the phone, and, and so was the Dominican police. And that's, uh, you know, some hour before departure. Yeah, this was in April. April fifth, yes, sir. April fifth, chronologically, and I just gave a bit of an overview. Chronologically, Eric, walk us through what has happened at the time that they were arrested. They were—I don't know if they were ever charged, but they were released, and then they were detained again. Walk us through what's gone on. Sure, thanks. Uh, so April 5th, they, they were preparing for the flight. They Once the police showed up after they, uh, the crew reported it, uh, the police only took off half of the, the alleged narcotics. Uh, the crew did a supplementary inspection, as, as anyone would, and found more narcotics in the same bay, by the way, just they had to turn their head and look forward instead of aft. Uh, 
and uh, called the police back. At that time, the police came back a little bit more annoyed, took the rest of the uh, contraband and left the airport with everything for about four hours. Uh, they came back after four hours with some film crew and, uh, you know, did a very poor soap opera type reenactment of taking drugs off the airplane. And, and you know, who knows what was in the bags when they left versus when they came back. Uh, took our flight crew for six hours without telling anyone, without telling them where they were going, without telling them what was happening. Of course, they only speak Spanish there and our flight crew speaks English, uh, except for the, the female flight attendant who was taken to a different facility. And they spent six days in jail, and that jail was horrific. They were received death threats, extortion threats. Uh, just, you know, it was just beyond the pale what they went through. And after uh, a period of time, the judge uh, ruled that they had zero evidence to detain our crew and release them on bail. Uh, part of the conditions of the bail was that they couldn't leave the country, and that's where they, they remain today. Now, this, this video that has surfaced, what can you share with us about the video? What does it show, and when did it appear? So we got the video in uh, in midsummer. It took some time to go through it. There's a couple hundred hours worth of footage. Uh, it's airport security video, so nothing. It's not some uh, shady third party. It's actual security video from a security office. Uh, and, you know, once it's once we're able to release it publicly, it will uh, it will. It will really make Canadians think twice about traveling to the Dominican Republic. You know, it's uh, I can't speak to who who the guilty party is, but it's going to be very clear to everyone, and it's certainly not our crew. Uh, separate hotel video shows that our crew was tucked away in bed at the time. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning prior to departure. On two separate occasions, earlier in the week, our crew was not in the country. It was a separate crew that, that flew down the night before to, to bring these pastors home than it was the crew that delivered them there a week earlier. So we had no one in the country. And uh, on two occasions, there were uh, people stalking our airplane, looking at the avionics bay, making sure the aircraft was accessible, working around on the door to make sure they could open it and close it and driving away. And the Dominican prosecutors, they can't be unaware of this. Well, that's the truly disturbing part. Look, I'm not going to say that there's uh you know, corruption in the prosecutor's office. I will say there's the corruption within the system. Uh, we can't speak to what any individual was aware of, but they had this video from day one. Um, there's evidence that they reviewed the video early. And I say that because uh, there's also significant parts in the video that's missing, and that had to happen only at the airport office or um, at the prosecutor's office or, or somewhere in between. So the, the file that was retrieved initially is... is much smaller than the file that was sent to us. There's lots of uh, juicy stuff cut out. The reason why we sort of have the smoking gun is that subfolder, that file that we have was mislabeled in the subfolder. I assume that they tried to uh, delete it, but missed that one. And here we are. I'm going to ask for more from my friend Raymond Hall uh, as we go through this interview, this conversation. But uh, Raymond, let me just bring you in for, you. Um, for a quick comment before we take a break. You're former airline captain, Air Canada. You flew the big ones, the 767. You're a lawyer. You understand the legal side of things. You understand the aviation side of things. What is this What is this entire story? And you were on with Mr. Edmondson previously. What does this story speak to to you? Well, we're talking about a, a multi, uh, multiplicity of uh, factors, Roy. 
we're dealing with a aviation issue that affects everybody in the world, not just Canadian airline pilots or flight attendants or mechanics. It affects everybody in the aviation community because flying into this jurisdiction presents a problem. We're dealing with regulatory issues in a legal system that's entirely different from the Canadian legal system. We, they don't have a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It, it is uh, the Napoleonic Code that is used there, and it, it doesn't guarantee any rights whatsoever. I think you also have a political system that's gradually being reformed with the new president of the Dominican Republic, but it, that is still languishing in the 19th to 20, early 20th century, where the prosecutors are trained uh, in ways that uh, are are more intimidating, uh, less responsible than it than the uh, equivalent prosecutors and the justice system would be in either the United States or Canada. Eric, you have your crew in the Dominican Republic. There are options the federal government has, and I it's either you or Raymond suggested Canada should suspend its bilateral air transport agreement with the Dominican Republic, and once they stop receiving Canadian tourists and Canadian dollars, they may see the value in returning your crew. But what has the federal government's response been? What have they done positively in this case? Well, Roy, they've done, uh, you hit the nail on the head, they've done nothing, I think you said inert. Um, they uh, they have lots of great words and lots of encouragement, and uh, you know they, they always sound and feel sympathetic. The, uh, the Minister of Transport, I think, is actually a really good minister. He's one of the better ones that I've worked with in, in my 25 or 30 years. I can feel that he is very frustrated with this file. Uh, I sense that he doesn't have the power to do what he'd like to do, which is, of course, uh, you have to at least threaten to stop the the uh, flow of Canadians to the Dominican Republic. And not only do you have to do it to get our crew back, uh, that would happen, but you have to do it to protect the lives of the traveling public. It's absolutely unsafe right now. The message the Dominicans sent to flight crew uh, flying into the Dominican is very clear. It's don't look for contraband. If you find it, don't report it, just leave. And that's extremely dangerous. That's going to put people's lives, that's going to put Canadians' lives in danger. Canada has to go down there and investigate. And until they do, no one should be flying there. Yeah. And when you talked about um, your crew being threatened, their lives being threatened, they were threatened by leaders of prison gangs because these gangs' drugs were not getting to Canada or wherever uh, the flight was supposed to be headed. And uh, and so that's why their lives were threatened. And apparently the Dominican prosecutors didn't really care all that much because they were set to put them back in prison. Um, but let's look at it from this perspective. Raymond, is there a standard procedure? Well, I hate those two words in, in sequence. <laughs> is there a standard operating procedure for airlines or the travel industry to respond to this kind of situation is it would other governments in the in the world say do exactly what has been suggested and that is suspend the bilateral air transport agreement with the Dominican Republic i think that 
a short answer to your question is no, there is no standard operating procedure because you're dealing with a diplomatic issue primarily uh, with uh, different uh, countries, different legal systems. And so every case is usually handled on an individual basis. The the question is, how much leverage does the federal government have? I think they have a lot. And, And it's not just the federal government. The federal government can partner with private organizations, particularly with the airlines, with the tour groups, uh, and the uh, uh, the people that, that manage the, the tourist industry there, as well as the other economic trading uh, facilities in, in the country. The, econ- the, the government could exer- exert pressure on several of the interested parties to, sh- to tell them that we need to have this resolved, and we need to have it resolved very, very quickly. And th- so far, they've, as uh, Mr. Edmondson said, they've expressed it in words. In fact, I, I watched an interview where the, uh, one of the senators, the conservative senators, interviewed uh, or challenged the Minister of Transport, and the Minister of Transport said, we will continue to use all available diplomatic and other tools to ensure that we stand up for the rights of Canadians. But the fact is that they haven't actually used all the diplomatic and other tools to stand up for these particular Canadians. Yeah, I mean, they've done nothing. They've done nothing. They're still there. Seven months later, their lives are still under threat. They're, I'm sure their mental health is uh, has to be affected. They're under tremendous stress. Um, Eric, you mentioned that the transport minister has been solicitous, has been supportive, but he can't do what he, I believe, if I understand you correctly, he can't do what he wants to do. So, should we guess who's who's in the way? Well, I think it's it's clear. I mean. Uh, one of the more astonishing comments made to our crew by an embassy employee, and I won't throw out them as to their title and, and such, but, um, you know, the, someone who works at the Canadian embassy told, told our crew, look, it's really too bad at least one of you weren't Americans. Because if you were an American, this would never have happened. You wouldn't have been detained. But if you had been detained, you would have been out within 24 hours. And, you know, that just shows the difference in the political will and influence of our global affairs uh, team. Yeah, I just received an email. Let me just find it here. Give me one second. Um, This is from Lucille. The problem is that our current federal government has lost the respect of other countries. They're not taken seriously. This is an extremely serious situation. What's the uh, what's the health of your your crew, Eric? It's, it's tough days, very tough days. You know, we had some momentum on the file uh, earlier in the summertime before the hurricane came through the island. It looked like they were going to be released. There, there was uh, there was a lot of, of agreement between the prosecutor's office and our lawyers that look, there's there's an impossibility to gather any evidence, uh, new evidence. There is no evidence against them. It's time to wrap this up. Um, that's sort of where it stayed after her after the hurricane went through really nothing's happened and that was extremely devastating for our crew i mean they they had some hope and uh, after that it really just has been a downhill slide for them mentally physically uh they are at the end of their ropes i can i can honestly say um you know we work with them we provide them uh counseling and mental health support and it's getting to a point where they either have to come home extremely soon or they may not be coming home. It's they're they're at that at that stage. Wow. That is so, uh, so deeply uh, disturbing. There's, there's no excuse for Ottawa 
to be inert on this. These are Canadians. Seven months, seven months in detention, uh, also being imprisoned for doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And, and the stress on, uh, I know you don't want to talk about this because it's not your primary uh, objective but in this case, but the stress on your business uh, of having, you know, I mean, it has to be considerable on your business too. Well, of course it is. We're a very small company and, uh, geez, it, it has been tough. We don't focus on it. Our, our 100% focus is getting the crew home safe, but of course, you know, you have to, you have to pay the bills. It's been an extremely uh, expensive proposition for us and, and we're happy to pay it because it's our duty and responsibility. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's extremely tough. And one of the things that makes it even more tough for us is during COVID, uh, yeah, almost 80% of our flying was for the federal or provincial government and essential service work. You know, we flew the Department of National Defense. We flew the Coast Guard. We flew the RCMP. We did uh, tactical response to some of the, uh, the issues they've had in Nova Scotia. It, you know, when, when, when it was really tough hauled throughout COVID, we were there and we were working with them every day. They'll crew us down there, you know, flew these guys, uh, Department of National Defense and so on. During during the, the peak of COVID and where are they now? They feel totally abandoned. It's been it's been tough corporately and it's it, you know, it's just it's ridiculous. If you want to hear more, subscribe to the Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.